Well, hello, Madison Church Online with Exchange. I'm so glad that you are here today. And I want to start by asking you a question, and it's a pretty easy one that you answer all the time. How are you doing? And how can you answer that right now? Well, if you're joining us on live.madisonchurch.com, just put a nickname in our chat room and you can join the chat. It doesn't necessarily have to be your own name, but it could be just a name. And we would love to know how you are doing. Now, I'm recording this on Thursday night, and so come Sunday or Monday, whenever you're watching this, I won't know your responses until then. But I could take a guess at what some of you are typing right now. Some of you are doing good. That's a pretty common one. Others of you are just fine. But I would imagine that most of you, if not all of you, are busy. Yes, busy. That is the default answer in our society. How are you doing? I am busy. Unless you're really busy, then it's, oh man, I am crazy busy. Because you really want to emphasize just how busy you are compared to everyone else. Now, I'm not calling you out if you wrote that and sent it or if you didn't have a chance to send it yet and you're now backspacing so you don't embarrass yourself by putting busy in the chat room um, because we all say it. Like, we are all busy. We all say that we're busy. Um, And the weird thing is that in our society, being busy is kind of like a badge of honor. It, It actually makes you more important. I don't think that that's a big secret. Actually, I came across an article in The Atlantic called, Ugh, I'm so busy, a status symbol of our time. And in the article, the writer states, in a curious reversal of aspirational objects are not luxury goods, like a nice watch or a new car, but instead bragging about how busy you are. Wanting to seem busy is how one gains status in a culture that values productivity and busyness above all else. Busyness makes us feel important. There's no doubt about it. You and I can relate to that. Anyone watching can relate to that. That busyness absolutely makes us feel important. But that's not all busyness does. When we're super busy, we know that something isn't right. Just something doesn't feel quite right. It's not just a physical or emotional thing either. It's also a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual problem. Uh, I love this quote from theologian Dallas Willard. When he was talking about hurry, he said that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And he urges followers of Jesus to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from their life. Now, many of us who are watching are from Madison, and Madison is one of the most secular, progressive, and post-Christian cities in the United States. So if you were to ask me, uh, Stephen, is being busy the greatest challenge to our spiritual lives and thriving spiritually in Madison? I would honestly probably tell you no. But if Willard is correct, and I I think he is, the thing that's keeping me from thriving spiritually is doing all of the stuff I'm trying to do to thrive. It's quite ironic when you begin to think about it, and there is a better way. God wants to simplify our lives so that they work the way that he designed them to work. And my hope for this study and my prayer for you, if you're watching this right now or listening later, is that you will look back on this four-part series and say, that was great. 
I needed that. I needed that at that time because my life was so chaotic and it helped calm the chaos in my soul. While many of us like the status of saying we're busy, we don't like the accompanying feelings of being overwhelmed and exhausted. And how about dissatisfied? If you've ever felt any of those things and you've felt them recently, then this series is for you. And before COVID-19, the pandemic and being in quarantine and everything being shut down, we would often blame the busyness of our lives and the chaos that we did feel in our souls on everything going on out there. It was always out there. It was the the long to-do list at home. It was the demands of our jobs. Um, It was just the fast pace of life in which we lived. But because of the pandemic and because of COVID-19, we're spending a lot more time at home and a lot less time doing all of those other things. And we're kind of maybe starting to realize that the problem wasn't something else, somewhere else, someone else. The problem was what was going on in here. And we're having to face that reality. Um, And it is time. It's time for you and for me, for all of us to simplify our souls. We have the time Now let's put a plan in action to follow through. And at the end of the four weeks, let's live simpler but better lives. So today we do start a series called Simplify, where we're going to discover that simplified living requires more than just budgeting our checkbooks and organizing our calendars. Simplified living is understanding that God made us to be human beings not human doings. I don't know if that's cliche to say or trite, but it is quite profound that you are a human being, not a human doing. Our souls were meant to live and thrive in a very simple way. That is good news. There's a logical order to creation. And if we follow the order of creation, the way that God intended us to live, life is just going to work better. That's a promise. It will work better. Of all the people that Jesus interacted with, it makes me think of this moment in which Jesus interacts with some of his friends. And in his few years of ministry that he had, there's only one time that Jesus redirects someone in the area of simplicity. So it kind of becomes the highlight reel for this message talking about busyness. It has to do with his friend, a woman named Martha and her siblings, Mary and Lazarus. And now Jesus had at this point in Luke, which we're going to read in a moment, Jesus had hundreds of followers, but he only had a close circle of friends. And he chose all three of these people, these two women and this one guy, to be in his inner circle of friends. And so in Luke 10, we get to a point where Jesus is tired. He's he's burning out. He's overwhelmed. It can be kind of a good thing for us to hear that even Jesus and all of his power got tired and he needed a break. He needed a rest. The more that Jesus taught and the more public things he did, the more people wanted from him. They wanted to see more people healed. They wanted to experience more miracles. There's just more of everything that he could offer. His body, his mind, and his soul needed a rest. And so Jesus retreats to a place called Bethany, where his friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. And it's there that he plans to rest for a day or two. And we can read together in Luke 10, uh, verses 38 through 40, what happens. We read, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. 
Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. Well, it's likely that Mary and Martha didn't know Jesus was coming. They didn't have time to go through and clean the house really quick or any of that stuff. I don't get the sense that Jesus called or text ahead to let them know that he was coming. And so Jesus arrives, and what we have are two different reactions. We have Mary who pulls up a chair in the living room to kind of catch up with Jesus, see what's going on and all the different happenings and all of his great stories of the amazing things that he is up to while Mary ha- Martha has gone into the kitchen to begin to make a dinner. I mean, she is frantically trying to play the part of a great hostess, and a lot of us can relate to that. I mean, after all, Jesus was probably tired. If he had been traveling all day by foot, he was probably hungry, and Martha is trying to meet his needs. And so we can totally understand that. Um, and at some point, Martha snaps. At some point, she's just had enough of this. I mean, she's working in the kitchen over a hot stove, putting together a great meal for Jesus, working really hard. And meanwhile, her sister Mary is just lounging in the living room with Jesus. I mean, so she's overwhelmed. She loses it. Now, I imagine, because I have siblings, I imagine that at some point, Martha tried to give some like subtle cues to Mary, like, hey, you should, you know, come in and help me or frankly, just come in and help me. Whatever she did. Um, for guys, if you if you don't have siblings, you think about your mother-in-law on Thanksgiving while you're sitting on the couch drinking beer, watching football, all of the passive-aggressive comments she is making to you to go in and help. Um, but this is the Bible and the biblical version. So just imagine that just a little bit more censored. Um, but that is what we're having going on here. So Mary burst into the room. She is overwhelmed. She is broken. And the Bible is an old book. I mean, we're talking thousands of years old. So what's about to happen next might be confusing to some modern day readers. We may not understand what's going on. Um, So I'll offer an explanation. Martha comes in and she rats her sister out to Jesus, which I know is mind-blowing. We totally can't relate to that in 2020, that a sibling would rat another sibling out for not doing something that they should have been doing. Again, an ancient book, totally hard to relate to. I can't imagine living in an era in which a sibling would do that to another sibling. I certainly have never done that. If my brother and sister are watching, they will not back me up on that at all. So let's watch how Jesus responds to Martha's outburst, throwing Mary under the bus. The master Jesus said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. The sinless son of God tells Martha in kindness, you're working yourself up over nothing. And I'm absolutely positive that Martha did not agree. Uh, She did not think that she was upset over nothing. She had a lot to get done. She had a little time to do it. She really needed some help. In a word, Martha was busy. She was crazy busy. And Jesus tells her essentially, calm down. Her mind had countless thoughts just racing and rushing through it. And Jesus tells her, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dear Martha, only one thing, only one thought is essential. 
And Martha, you're missing what matters most. And Mary, Mary is not. By affirming Mary's choice to pull up the chair and to lounge around with Jesus, Jesus invites Martha to settle down and to follow her sister's example, which as an older sibling, not exactly what I want to hear how this story ends, but it is how this story ends. The question for you and me now to ponder as we think about Martha and Mary is, does your mind, body, and spirit long for an antidote to all of the busyness in your life? Are you bursting into your prayer closet? Are you bursting into prayer saying, Master Jesus, don't you care? I've got all of this to do. There's so little time. Don't you care? And Jesus responds, my dear child, you're fussing over nothing. You're getting worked up over nothing. Only one thing matters. Jesus tells us that the antidote to busyness isn't getting everything in the kitchen done. It isn't getting the house clean. It isn't finishing everything up at the office or picking everything up at the store. The antidote is leaving some stuff, sometimes some good stuff, and to leave stuff undone and to sit down unrushed to have a conversation with the one who loves you the most. And I know, I know that by saying that it sounds way too incredibly simple. It cannot be that easy. And yet, that is the point of this whole series. Simplify. The message is simple. The practices are simple. And what our souls need are not a complicated solution, but a simple one. And in this case, simple is better and it is different than the way that we do life right now. I'm nearly 31 years old. It's taken me my entire life to get to the point where I start to recognize that, you know, maybe I'm too busy. Maybe I've overextended myself. I'm starting to get tired and I I start to recognize when I get moody that maybe I'm trying to do too much. I'm not good at it. I'm a failure in this over and over again. I've shared stories very recently in messages that we've done online that my last year in college, 2011, I was getting married. I was graduating. I was taking 18 credit hours. I led a team to Jamaica to serve at an orphanage in the center of the island. I was working at a grief counseling center, and I was the discipleship leader for my dorm while also trying to get my first real big boy job out of college. I was so busy. And I I also shared recently how when we moved to Madison in 2014, I was managing a Starbucks and building the launch team for this church that we have now. And I was doing graduate school at Wheaton College and we were planning for our first son, Oliver. I was so busy. But I don't think I told you a very important part to those stories when I brought them up in the past. And a very important part, the part that I didn't share with you then that I'm sharing with you now is how sick I got both those times and other times when I was just doing too much, when I was overextended, when I was too busy. You see, I have the ability for some reason that I can mentally push past a ton of whatever it is that's overwhelming and exhausting me. But physically, it always catches up with me. And during these times when I was in school in 2011 or just moved to Madison in 2014, I would have these panic attacks almost every night, almost just an hour or two after I would go to sleep, I would wake up, my heart would be racing. It honestly felt like I was having 
a heart attack and I would get super nauseous and I would throw up a lot. And I, so I started to see a doctor a lot about not sleeping and all of these panic attacks I was having and constant nausea and vomiting. And they didn't ever really have a clear cut answer as to why I felt the way that I did. But with the help of a great doctor, I'm now on medicine that helps me manage my anxiety. It helps me manage my emotions. I've been on this medicine for four years now. And I'm really happy that I am because it does help me be more realistic as to what I am able to accomplish. I also have pills for when I do get nauseous or vomiting. But here the thing is, the medicine and the pills that I'm taking are treating something. They're treating a symptom. They're not curing me. And the cure, the antidote for how I feel and the reason I feel so anxious and sick to my stomach all the time the cure is to change the way that I live. You see, the problems that I have are often made worse by the choices that I make, the way that I choose to live. I like to go hard and I like to get things done. I'm driven. And when I'm awake at two in the morning, feeling nauseous and throwing up and, and super anxious, it's then, it's at two in the morning that I call out to, to Jesus and say, God, don't you care? And Jesus' response to me is, Stephen, dear Stephen, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up for nothing. Only one thing is essential. What if I, and what if you, what if we all committed to taking a breath and to saying, I'm fussing and making a big deal out of the wrong things. And only one thing matters. What if we made that intentional choice right now, wherever you're watching, your living room, your car, your kitchen, whether you're listening or watching, whatever it is, what if we made that choice to live the way that God designed us to live by putting first things first? Let's prioritize what God meant to be first in our lives. And if we get the first thing right, if we start on the right foot, everything else will begin to fall in place. Let's follow the order that God has set us out to follow. And I will have just two suggestions for you. And the first suggestion is that I want you to begin every day by connecting with God. Begin every single day by connecting with God. Some people like my wife, Megan, love waking up super early, hitting the gym, taking on the day. They are ready to go. Others of us don't really wake up till about mid-morning or noon or sometime later. Um, but regardless of whenever it is that you wake up and you get going, we need to begin each day by centering ourselves around God. If you and I, if we want less chaotic lives, then we need to begin the day with less chaos. For you early risers who wake up and just ready to go, it means practicing the self-discipline to slow down a bit before you rush out of the house or rush to the gym or whatever it is that you're doing at four in the morning. It means slowing down and spending time to hear from God. For those of you who are maybe a little bit more like me, who hit the snooze button over and over and over until you're going to be late. Um, it means practicing the self-discipline to stop doing that. It means practicing the self-discipline that I'm going to sacrifice what I feel like doing right now, which is sleeping in or staying in bed a little bit longer so that I can do something better. 
so that I can connect with God. Again, if I want my life to be less chaotic, then I need to start each day with less chaos. And that begins when I connect with God. If you want to live a life that is satisfying, if you want to have a well-ordered soul, you need to simplify. We do that again by beginning each day with connecting with God. And I've got two app suggestions for you. I'll show up a slide with these as well. Um, the YouVersion Bible app. Now, many of you I know already have this app. We talk about this app all the time at Madison Church. It's free. It's easy to use. You can make highlights, notes, read different translations. My favorite part about the app is that you're able to read Bible reading plans with other people, your friends. Um, but in that I mentioned it's free. But this is a great way to get into God's Word every single day because oftentimes you may not have your Bible with you, but I bet you always have your phone with you. And because of the app, you can always have your Bible with you. So that's the first app I would tell you to download. The second one, now many of you may not know about this app, is the Lexio 365 app. This is a newer app. I just recently discovered it. It's made by our friends at the 24-7 Prayer Movement, and I fell in love with this app. I absolutely love it. Every day there is a new guided prayer that you can either read yourself or listen to. And so often what I do is I will start each day by pressing play and praying through the guided prayer by listening to it. And so there's somebody who will read some Bible verses, do a devotion and offer silent moments where I can pray. And I love it because I pray about things that I wouldn't otherwise normally pray about. And I would encourage you to do that too. So you have two apps. One's a Bible reading app and one's a prayer app. Both will help you, absolutely positively help you connect with God every day. Now, both these apps can send you push notifications, which you should, which you should absolutely set up. I set mine up for nine o'clock. So nine o'clock every morning, right as I'm about to get ready to start the day hard, I get two notifications on my phone and it reminds me before I do anything, I need to read a little bit of the Bible and I need to pray. And that's how I begin every day. Now, here's a couple things, okay? Just because you have the notifications turned on, that's great, but you still have to open up those apps. You still have to participate. You don't just get credit just for setting up the notifications. That's one step. The second thing is that if you don't set up those notifications, but you have notifications for Facebook and email and Instagram set up, you know, maybe there's an issue there we need to confront right now. Um, or right when you log off the service to go and turn some of those notifications off. You don't always need to know when someone comments or likes your photo, but it would be great to have a notification to say, hey, take time to pray. So let's begin each day connecting with God, and let's begin the first day of the week by connecting with God's people. On the first day of the week, let's just show up and connect with God's people. Now, I know for some of you that might be Monday, it might be Saturday. For me, I'm talking about Sunday. Let's start each week by connecting with God's people. There's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And we want to go far. So we have to go together. The next three weeks, we're going to continue the series Simplify. And we're going to learn that a simplified life requires more than just, again, organizing the things and cleaning out our closets. It requires a reordering of our soul. And I want to challenge you to come back to start each week with God's people to connect with God and each other and to begin to see what happens to your soul when you make that commitment. God created us 
to be human beings, not human doings. I just want to say that again because if there's only one thing that you're walking away from, I want it to be that. If there's only one thing you're walking away with, I want it to be that. If your soul feels overwhelmed, exhausted, or dissatisfied, know that there is a better and simplified way. There's a better way for you and I to live. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, there's that phrase again from Dallas Willard. But in this book written by John Mark Comer, he writes, Jesus's open invitation is to a life of rest, not just for our bodies. We can get that from a doctor or a pill, but at a far deeper level for our souls. Is something not right with your soul? I would suggest begin each day with connecting with God. I would suggest each week connecting with God's people. But perhaps you're not at either of those two steps. Perhaps the invitation for you right now is that you are finding Jesus in this moment, that you are hearing him say your name, Stephen, dear Stephen, or you, dear you. You're worried about all of these things. You have all of this anxiety or all of this depression and all of these thoughts, and you're worried about everything, but it's not worth it. You are missing the main thing, and that is the message that Jesus is communicating to you right now. If you want a different way to live, it has nothing to do with what's going on out there, the to-do list, your job. It has nothing to do with COVID-19 or the pandemic. I'm not trying to say that those things don't matter. They do matter. But I'm saying if you want true peace in your soul, if you want to end the chaos, then it's time to do something different and to begin to follow Jesus. If that's a decision you're making right now, as you're listening or watching, we want to talk with you. If you're at our live chat room, you can request live prayer at the bottom of your screen. One of our hosts will get with you to pray with you and to give you resources. We want to give you different things to help you grow in your faith. We want to talk to you about baptism and getting in a small group. Nothing scary, but we just want to go on this journey with you. We want to connect with you. As for the rest of us, let's pray for those making that decision. And let's pray for each other, for those of us who need to begin to connect with God. And for those of us who need to take it further and connect with each other on a more regular basis. Let's take time to pray right now.